0: Kia ora, I'm Damian Venuto, it's October 25th and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. Since a brutal attack on an Israeli music festival on October 7th, relentless conflict has raged across Gaza. Thousands have already lost their lives and there are now risks that the bloodshed could stretch across borders and involve other countries. The war has also created a diplomatic minefield with politicians picking their words very carefully when commenting on the violence. After reporting on the war in Ukraine, conflict journalist Tom Much is now in Israel. Today, he joins the front page to talk about how this war could escalate and what both sides are hoping to achieve. Tom, can you give us a sense of where you are at the moment and what the mood is like on the ground?
1: So I'm in Tel Aviv right now, let's call it the capital, but this is just such a complicated topic that the discussion of whether it's the capital or not could take a whole book to fill. We could call it the cultural and sort of it's the upper middle class city of Israel. It's, to be honest, where you'd mostly find the more, I don't know, left wing crowd. But I'm afraid to say that everyone here is very fired up. They are very mad. But really, People feel like they're out for vengeance and they're out for blood. And I think that's what we're seeing happening in Gaza at the moment. A population has effectively given its government carte blanche to do whatever it wants over there. It's a very, very grim mood, both here, I must say, and in the Palestinian territories of the West Bank, where I have also been.
0: This is the worst bloodshed we've seen in decades. So can you give us a sense of the relationship between Israel, the Palestinian people, and Hamas, and how that has changed in recent years?
1: One of the problems is is that it's very, very difficult to know where to start when you talk about this relationship. Do you go back to 1880, when the idea of Zionism first came about, and the region was 90% Arab, 10% Jew? Do you go to the Balfour Declaration in 1917? Do you go to the Holocaust? Do you go to the first... Arab-Israeli war in 1948, or any of the innumerable ones that have been fought since. And to make an extraordinarily complicated topic as simple as I can, the Arabs and the Israelis both have differing claims to the land of Israel and the Palestinian territories according to international law and what most countries would call a two-state solution. So basically, that the Israelis get all of the territory, the exception of the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, and the eastern part of the city of Jerusalem. There have been a lot of peace agreements that always fell through for various reasons, a major one being... Israelis who have settled on the West Bank in contravention of international law and whether Israel can lay claim to any of those territories or not. Now, however, what's happened with Hamas is that Israel withdrew from the Gaza Strip in 2005. There were initially elections held in Gaza, which Hamas won. Now, Hamas, it's not like Fatah or the previous Palestinian parties that had pledged to work to find a peaceful solution with the Israeli government. It was basically dedicated to the destruction of Israel. Israel, after this, blockaded Gaza and basically turned it into what human rights organizations liked to call the world's largest open-air prison. We had two million people crammed into a very, very small area that was blockaded off, which in turn fueled a lot more radicalism and sort of hatred towards the Israelis from within this strip. And then you have also the West Bank, where conditions are better than they are in Gaza, but they still live under what is effectively a military occupation that seems to in almost every case privilege the lives of the Israeli settlers that are living in the West Bank over those of the Palestinians who many I've talked to sort of describe being treated as second-class citizens. Al-Shifa hospital is being overwhelmed by a high number of patients and thousands of people seeking shelter from Israeli attacks. Shortages of medicines and the threat of the power cuts are putting the medical team under
0: pressure. And those seeking refuge here say nowhere in Gaza is safe. Why do you think Hamas picked this moment to attack? And what's the end game here? What were they hoping to achieve? So
1: we don't know exactly what they were hoping to achieve other than really if they've done one thing extraordinarily well, it's put the issue of Israel and Palestine and the solution back on the table. So basically, the Israeli government, at least for the last couple of years, especially under Netanyahu, had sort of had this idea that it could kind of ignore the Palestinian problem. You know, Hamas occasionally would lob rockets into Israel, but they mostly get shot down. Occasionally, there would be Palestinians in the West Bank who might shoot some people or, you know, there might be Israelis getting shot in the streets, but that the security services could generally put a handle on that. And what Israel was also doing was making peace with Arab countries. It had made peace with the United Arab Emirates, with Morocco, with Sudan. And it was on the verge of basically a peace arrangement with Saudi Arabia, or at least they were deep into U.S. talks about one. Now, the Hamas attack on October the 7th, which, and by the way, this was just every bit as brutal as has been described, you know, I've seen videos that we've been shown here. I've spoken to people who have had their family members kidnapped. It was an absolutely horrible event. But what it did do was it did remind people, I think, both in Israel and everywhere else in the world, this is an issue that is not dead and buried and that needs to be dealt with. However, the means that Israel seems to be going about dealing with that issue seem extraordinarily bloody and brutal at this moment.
0: An international law professor recently told us on the front page that we're seeing essentially a sequence of war crimes being committed on both sides since that initial attack. I mean, is that the sense that you're getting on the ground? Is that the information that's being fed to you?
1: Well, I mean, it seems at least that the bombing of Gaza has been extraordinarily indiscriminate. You know, I don't remember the latest numbers, something about 7,000 bombs having been dropped on Gaza in the space of just over two weeks. Thousands killed, about 5,000 according to recent estimates. And not only that, that the Israeli government has effectively told all Palestinians living in Gaza City, you know over a million people to move south. Now, that is an almost impossible ask. Taking away the enormous amount of people that you know might not be able to leave for whatever reason, it's effectively giving them some sort of carte blanche to be like, well, the ones who stayed, you know, they didn't leave when we told them to, they must be terrorists. And even then, there have been bombs going off on the evacuation routes and in the southern parts of Gaza that were supposed to be safe. Now, that's not to say that there are no military targets in Gaza. Thousands of rockets have been fired from Gaza into Israel. We saw what Hamas did when they came over on October the 7th. They literally massacred thousands of people. It's not that I don't think that what the Israelis are doing right now is extraordinarily brutal and bloody and indiscriminate and over the top, but I kind of can't help feeling that the military leadership on the other side would do exactly the same to the Israelis if they had the opportunity.
0: For the latest news from around the globe, head to nzherald.co.nz world. And be sure to follow the front page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. What do Israelis make of the response of their government Does Prime Minister Netanyahu have the confidence of the people in the same way that Ukrainian President Zelensky does?
1: very different circumstances here because Zelensky became a hero almost overnight because you know in the way the perceptions of the countries were flipped ukraine was this small underdog that sort of stood up against its oppressor it stood up against you know the david and goliath story where it stood up against unbelievable odds and you know Zelensky stood there and stood firm and they managed to beat back the russian attacks now in israel Israel was the country that was supposed to have that extraordinarily powerful army and it's supposed to have that incredibly, you know, sophisticated intelligence agencies that supposedly knew everything that was going on within the Gaza Strip. And then they miss a major military attack and take hours to respond to it part of Netanyahu's whole brief was to be the guy that's tough on security. I'm going to be the guy who will protect Israel from its enemies, and he's entirely failed to do that. So I have to say, look, the bombing campaign from the people I've spoken to, it does have the support of more people that I speak to than it doesn't. However, Netanyahu and his government, everyone says that they're going to be finished at the end of this, that they'll never regain public trust again.
0: We've also seen fighting breakout between Israel and Lebanon. What's happening there? And how concerning is it that this is moving across borders now? So
1: as if this conversation wasn't sort of dark and pessimistic enough, a front with Lebanon would be a completely different story. It would, it would really ratchet the conflict up. Because in Lebanon, Israel would be fighting Hezbollah. Now Hezbollah is a Lebanese not-quite-state army but it's an army with effectively the power that's probably the most powerful non-state army in the world I, I spoke to someone who had previously served in a very senior position in the israeli defense forces the other day he said hezbollah has 200 000 rockets in its arsenals hidden in tunnels throughout most of southern lebanon and also they have thousands and thousands of well-trained fighters who fought in syria in urban combat now if they got involved seriously that would be an absolute bloodbath, both in Israel and in Lebanon, from the Israeli response, because Hezbollah is just far more powerful than Hamas is. And it really could go toe to toe with the Israeli military for quite a while.
0: The international repercussions of this conflict are quite interesting. So Ukraine is also quite important in this battle because while the US and its allies have condemned Hamas, we've seen Russia and China pointedly choose not to, instead pushing for a two-state solution. So do you think that this war has the potential of worsening the global divides that we've seen in Ukraine already?
1: Yeah, I think so, and I think one of the problems is uh, is it also comes down to the morality of the situation, right? So In Ukraine, the argument of Western powers has been, and it's a view that I share personally, having spent all the time in the country that I have, that the Ukrainian cause is a just and moral cause where Ukraine is defending itself from a violent outside aggressor, and it must be given all of the weapons and the money it needs to be able to help itself do that. All right, good, fine. I completely agree with that. And trying to portray Putin as this kind of monster, emitting out death and destruction to civilians, which is true. I've seen it with my own eyes. And then you get the same Western powers giving sort of full throttle support to Israel, where the situation is, to put it mildly, a lot more murky. And it does look like Israel is carrying out indiscriminate bombings of civilians in the same way that Vladimir Putin was doing in cities like Mariupol, yet they do have the full support of the West. So what it really does is it makes the West look very hypocritical. It's perfectly happy to condemn a brutal assault on civilians in one case, but not in another.
0: UN Security Council has failed to pass a draft resolution calling for a humanitarian pause in Gaza. The only vote against it came from the United States. There were two abstentions, Russia and the United Kingdom. But again, 12 votes in favor. It would have passed had the United States not vetoed this resolution because it had no mention of Israel's right to self-defense. Iran has also warned Israel to end this war or risk the conflict spiralling out of control. Do you expect to see this war expand beyond these borders and really involve more of the Middle East?
1: I don't really want to make any predictions. All I have to say is that people here are both expecting and preparing for the worst. So that would mean, as I said, a conflict with Hezbollah would probably be the real ratcheting up of it. The United States has promised to get involved if Hezbollah gets involved, and Hezbollah have promised to get involved if there is a ground invasion in Gaza. And the Israeli military has been promising a ground invasion for so long that... It seems like it would lose huge face with the Israeli public were it to do so. I would put my money on yes, but, you know, I guess countries have been told down from the brink of war before.
0: How likely is it that they'll, I suppose, ignore those threats from Hezbollah and go into Gaza through ground forces? I mean, how much of a risk is that at the moment?
1: So it's a pretty big risk. Um, I mean, I I should say that the worries about going into Gaza are not just worries about Hezbollah. Hamas is not particularly well armed, and it doesn't have as many fighters. But Gaza is an absolutely huge city, a city of 2 million people, very densely populated, no matter how many people the Israelis try and get out of it. It's full of tunnels and booby traps and high-rise buildings. It's a really, really good city to defend in some ways it's harder to defend in others because it's also very very hard to get resupplies and extra weapons or food or whatever into the city so it can be besieged but to actually take it with a ground of souls is an extremely difficult and arduous task
0: tom israel is sending quite a strong message and it's not holding back in its attacks on gaza so what is the end game here and Can they be talked down from basically wiping Palestine off the map, or is this conflict just what we are going to be stuck with for the foreseeable future?
1: It seems like the United States, you know, when Joe Biden came and he said, look, after 9-11, we made some pretty bad mess ups, but that was a message that you don't want to let yourself get drawn into a huge and bloody and prolonged conflict. And I think it was also a message as well, because remember, after 9-11, the United States had that one kind of moment where the whole world was behind it, the whole world sympathized with it, and they blew that international goodwill. And I think that Israel may go through the same process. And I've told Israelis this. I was on Israeli TV the other day, and I literally told them that, is that you have the sympathy of the world for the horrible things that happened on October the 7th. Don't blow it with an extraordinarily disproportionate response. But I think that's what we're seeing.
0: Thanks for joining us, Tom. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson and edited by Paddy Fox with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Damien Venuto. Subscribe to The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look Behind the Headlines.